0: I've got cancer, but I'm part of a clinical trial that could lead to new breakthroughs.
1: I've got cancer, but I've also got researchers working together to find a cure.
0: If you or a loved one has cancer, you need New Jersey's only comprehensive cancer center, designated by the National Cancer Institute. I've got cancer, but I've also got hope. Learn more at rwjbh.org beatcancer. RWJ Barnabas Health and Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. Let's beat cancer together.
2: R.W.J. Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Speak of the Devils podcast presented by R.W.J. Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm your host today, Sam Kassan, joined by co-host, the A-team, Amanda Stein is joining me. So Amanda, let's start by discussing our guest today, a very well-known, or maybe not as well-known as some would think, but I think in the inner circles of the National Hockey League, very well-known cup curator, Mike Bull, can you tell us a little bit and give us a little peek of who he is and why he was here?
0: So first of all, I just want to say it's so exciting to be back on the podcast. It's been a while. You know, we get so busy during the season that there's so many of us we have to alternate to make sure that. Um, You know, we don't all go crazy. So it's nice to be back um, doing a little bit of the podcast. But yeah, so Mike Bolt was someone who I had a chance to sit down with a few weeks ago. um, And he happens to be one of the keepers of the Stanley Cup from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mike is, you know, obviously like There's a bunch of keepers of the cup. I think there's about four of them. Mike may be less well-known as uh, Phil Pritchett, who is, you know, the one who's uh, sort of more camera-friendly in the sense that... Um, he likes to be in front of the camera, and that's that's what Mike told me, so I feel comfortable saying that. Um, but Mike is awesome. So I had a chance to sit down with him because the Stanley Cup was in town in New Jersey for the um, sled classic that the NHL hosts along with the um, with USA hockey. And it was the first time that it was here in New Jersey uh, after many, 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 many years of this tournament going on. And so it was here along with a bunch of other trophies. But, you know if the Stanley Cup is in town, You have to bring it in. Like you have to like do something around it. And there's so much history around this cup. There's so much that goes into this life of this inanimate object that uh, it was a perfect chance to sit down and talk with Mike about, you know, all kinds of things from how do you clean the Stanley cup? um, And then those typical questions of like, what's the craziest thing um, that you've had to do with the cup? How far in the world has it gone? All those types of things. But then I also wanted to like dive into talking to him about like, you know, how do you become a keeper of the cup? Like what like what is this process to get to this point? And so uh, Mike was awesome to sit down with um, and and spend some time with. So I'm really looking forward to everyone hearing our about a 25 minute conversation, which really felt like it flew by within like two seconds.
1: (laughs) You mean you don't just send over your resume with letterhead asking to be a cup (laughs) That's that's not how the process works.
0: I mean, maybe like, maybe that. like, (laughs) I thought maybe that that's what it could have been. I don't, I didn't know, but I definitely found out it's like a, a process to get there, but also, uh, one of those situations as much of life in hockey is being in the right place at the right time around and knowing the right people. So, um, You'll get at least this idea from Mike about how he got to this point, but it, it, it's a wild lifestyle, right? Like it, it's if you consider like there is someone always with the cup, whether it's Mike or Phil or the other keepers, it's never alone. And so we know all these parties that these that the cup goes to, particularly in the summer. And so they are there to experiencing it all firsthand. And one of the things that Mike really delves into is that, you know, many years ago, it was a little more wild in the sense that Lord Stanley's cup didn't have a curfew, but there is now, I guess maybe as parties got crazier and crazier, there is a curfew. So the cup has a curfew and they abide by it very strictly and sternly.
1: Well, I won't give away the curfew. We'll let the fans listen to hear that. And the one thing that he said that jumped out to me was out of a year, 200 days, he spent yeah. the cup out of 365 days, 200. He's on the road with the Stanley cup. That was mind blowing. A lot of mind blowing things from Mike Bulk. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview that Amanda Stein conducted with the keeper of the cup, Mike Bolt.
0: I'm Amanda Stein in the legacy lounge. And there's a new piece of, I guess, I don't even know, just something beautiful here in the lounge with us, which is the Stanley Cup. And, of course, Mike Bolt from the Hockey Hall of Fame, Keeper of the Cup. This is pretty neat. Yeah,
2: it is. And... uh... You know, it's it's amazing. The best part of our job is to see the reaction, like whether it's somebody like you that's a big fan that's seen it up close for the first time to just our fans that uh, come to the games and just, you know, they line up for hours to get, you know, to get one quick picture with it. and And then the players, the players themselves, how excited they are to have their day with the cup. Uh, the 2000 Devils was actually the very first team I ever worked with. And I still remember, you know, two Hall of Famers now, Marty Burdur and Scott Stevens, how excited they, they, this was their second Stanley Cup, how excited they were to be around it, how excited they were to have their day with it, and how welcome they made me feel. So it was a great experience in 2000 with the Devils.
0: It's- Pretty amazing to see up close. But before we get into all those like really fun stories that I'm sure, you know, you've, you've repeated over and over again. Tell me why the Stanley Cup is here in New Jersey. Yeah, we're
2: in town for a sled hockey tournament. It's being uh, taken place over at the Devil's Practice Facility. Uh, we'll be there from four o'clock to nine o'clock uh, this evening. And then we'll be also over uh, there tomorrow, uh, most of the morning and early afternoon.
0: And you know, this is the oldest of trophies. It's so beautiful. And I know I just like I, I want to look at you, but I'm just like, I'm like it's a looking. Lot prettier than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are new trophies that are added, you know, over the years as, you know, life changes and the game changes. So this is the oldest, but what are some of the newer trophies that either might be on display or that that you can tell us about in the NHL?
2: Well, actually, uh, two of the newest trophies that we've actually brought down uh, down from the Hall of Fame: the Mark Messier and uh, the Willie O'Ree Trophy, uh, that are very, very new. Uh, and then we also have the Art Ross Trophy, which is very old. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the the two newest trophies would be the Messier and definitely uh, uh, the Willie O'Ree.
0: And tell me about the Willie O'Ree one a little bit. Just like, you know, when you're adding a new trophy, what's that like process like to, you know, does it go through the hall of fame? Is it NHL collaborative?
2: It's a collaborative thing and working and and designing it and stuff like that. And, you know, Willie's an obvious choice for all the things that he's done and hence why he's in the hockey hall of fame also. And, uh, you know, it's a great trophy. You know, Willie's famous for his little fedora hat and everything like that. So they incorporated that with the trophy and uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a a well done trophy. Um, I think the the Mark Messier, I'm not sure how that, I think that might have been, because originally it was the Bridgestone, uh, but now it's just the Mark Messier Leadership Award. And uh, again, I think the Hall had a, few. uh, Phil Pritchard would be, who's a curator and also more famous keeper of the cup, uh, would have more of uh, a say in it uh, with the NHL uh, designing the trophies.
0: So I know you're from Toronto. How, like... How do you get to this point where, you know, the 2000 Devils were the first, you know, NHL team that you had to celebrate? Like, what is your journey?
2: Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, like any kid growing up in Canada, you dream of going to the NHL and maybe winning the Cup. Well, that journey never came close to happening, (laughs) like not even close. And uh, I just honestly, I I love the game, always have. And uh, I got a job at the Hall of Fame in 95, did a variety of different jobs. And then Phil came to me in late 99 and said, hey, would you be interested in being one of the keepers? And I'm like, oh sure. God. It was like a deer in headlights, to be honest. So yeah, I didn't realize. I knew I was up for some job, but I didn't know this job. And so when he told me about it, I was like, eh, eh, Yeah, okay, yeah. It was a five minute meeting. And I walked out of there, and about twenty minutes later, I went, Oh my god, I just got handed it and got giddy. Called my mom and dad, said, Listen, to the new job I got. And I still kind of feel this way that way today. Um, that I'm honored and privileged to be trusted with the Stanley Cup and get to travel around the world with it. And I only hang with winners.
0: <laughs> that That's actually a really good one. I like that. that I'm sure you use that line I, quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so... Is there, like, a training process? Like, do you have to, like, do a couple days with Phil, like, when you first start? Or no, they just, like, throw right you in the right the, into the right fire? into
2: the fire. Like, I mean, I, I, working for the Hall of Fame, I knew a lot of the, the trivia and the history behind the cup. And then, of course, I was handed when Phil gave me the job. He gave me a bunch of booklets and stuff like that. So I read up. And I, I'll be honest. The first two years, somebody would ask me a question. I may not have had the answer, but I had yeah. the books with me to look it up. Now, you know, bring it. Like, uh, it's I'm probably one of the best experts in the world as far as the trivia on this thing um so it was just it was it was odd how it all happened um uh it's been an unbelievable experience to go around the world with this and I mean I got a yeah thousands a thousand of stories, stories. Yeah.
0: what was like where was the first place you brought the cup
2: uh the first player I ever did was uh, Randy McKay up in uh, the UP um and uh, it was very I mean I'd done a bunch of stuff leading up to yeah. that with the Devils but uh that was the first player I ever uh, brought the cup to was Randy McKay
0: And one of the things I've actually always wondered about is, you know, what is the planning process for a championship team? You know, everyone's like, oh, well, everyone's going to get their day with the cup. I imagine that's like a lot of logistics to work out. And how does that like how does that all play out?
2: Well, uh, the person that gets assigned that job with the organization just got handed the worst job in hockey. (laughs) Uh, you think it's a worldwide job. I mean, well, it's just, it's everybody wants a Saturday and really you have about eight Saturdays throughout the summer and everybody's clamming at you and you're not making everybody, it's impossible. You're not going to make everybody happy. And every guy, I've told that to the very next day after they won the cup, oh, it'll be fine. And then three days later, they're pulling their hair, out going, "Oh my God, you're at this is horrible." Uh, but again, uh, these are good problems to have because most guys always say, "Yeah, it's it's a tough job, but it's, I'll take this problem all the time because uh, you know this is a hard thing to win."
0: Absolutely. How many pairs of white gloves do you travel with?
2: Uh, <laughs> this road trip, it's a four-day road trip, and I brought five pairs.
0: Hey, okay. see, that was actually, so I asked like a lot of our fans, like what they want to know. And that was like one of the number one questions. Yeah, How a, many gloves?
2: I have a box at home of my, just, I don't know why I've kept them even after they, you know, they usually go through about four or five washes and then I just pitch them in a box and yeah. they're starting to get little holes or wearing out. <laughs> and I, I've kept every pair I've had. I got a massive box of white, old white gloves. <laughs> I love that. And then I have like a, you know, a sock drawer, underwear drawer. I have a white glove <laughs> drawer too. So when I'm packing, I just, you know, grab my, my, That's my great. you know, they're all folded <laughs> up nicely in my drawer.
0: Um. What's it like bringing it through an airport? That's what I've always wondered. And, like, do you get anxiety when you have to, like, part with it, like, at an airport?
2: I mean, the anxiety part is, uh, one, getting to the uh, – so when you're sometimes when you're traveling, uh, especially in non-hockey markets, people don't understand what the NHL or, or the Stanley yeah. Cup is. And they give us a hard time with the weight. And my anxiety is that I want to make sure it gets on the plane because wherever we go, it's a big day, whether every day, whether it's a player's day, whether it's stuff with the NHL, charity, TV, whatever it may be, if we don't make it, it's a big deal. So you really want to make sure that you get it on the plane. And the biggest thing is we don't have as much control as we did prior to Mm 9-11. So you just got to trust the airlines to do their job. Nine times out of 10, or if not nine and a half out of 10, (laughs) it goes very well, especially when you tell them what you got and you open it up and the reaction, even if they're, even say. if the person checking you in is not a hockey fan, somebody behind you probably, oh my god, is up the Stanley Cup and they get excited. And then you know, the same thing when you head over to TSA to get inspected. Sometimes you get that, oh, look at this large case. You get a little bit of an eye roll, and they open it up and go, wow, that's friggin' awesome. And do
0: they do they like really like look around oh, yeah. it? I mean, like, it depends
2: <laughs> on if they're a hockey fan or not or yeah. whatever. But you definitely, you know, um, the reaction of both the the airline and the TSA. But uh, again, you just you hope it gets to the plane. I I, I can tell you one time years ago. I was sitting on the plane, and the, I'm, the plane's pushing back, and I can see the cup case in the tarmac. Oh, no. And I'm screaming at the flight, and I'm like, "Hey, hey, my bag's still there!" And I'm like, "It's the Stanley it's not Cup!" Just bag. And, I, and I'm saying, "It's the Stanley Cup. We got. I need this for my." And they wouldn't. And people are like, "You got to stop the plane!" Get, and they wouldn't pull back into the gate. So I knew when I got to where I was going, I was actually sending a text out saying, "Bad news: the cup is not on the plane, and I'm I'm about to."
0: I can see it. I can, I can see, see it, us as and, we're pulling
2: away. It's very, it's very frustrating, but I mean, there are a few stories. That, you know, it's for. A cup that travels almost three hundred plus days a year. Uh, I mean, one or two hiccups a year. That's not too bad, that to be is, honest. I mean, uh, I think my
0: bags get lost right. more than that, right? right. So I mean, it's, in, as long as the Stanley Cup doesn't get lost yeah. that much, do you? So does it like come out just like a like a regular bag? Yeah. And and my question is, it's like you know, I have just regular. I'm like, ooh, that's like very like, good. like it hits very hard. Yeah. And when you're waiting for it, you're like, oh, hope it's there, hope it's there. What's a light standing there?
2: Honestly, it can be an air because you just – you hope and and you don't know. I mean – doing this for so long, we've I've gotten connections through the airlines slash airports, so I've gotten extra help in a lot of, like, we've got a, a police officer that always helps us in Chicago, I know people in, in Toronto, with mm-hmm. Air Canada, like, just coming down to the U.S., uh, I went down to Boston first, and uh, I was having a little trouble checking in, so I, was t- I texted my buddy, and, <laughs> and he said, Mike, I got your back, don't worry, it's going to get on the plane, so.
0: I love that, I love that. So tell me about your first Stanley Cup party, and what that is like for a keeper of the cup like an introduction to like maybe what the rest of your life is gonna look like
2: well it would have been with here with the devils yeah. um i remember uh, we flew in um we did some photos on the ice uh and i'm around the team and you know why is wide open this is freaking awesome and can't believe i'm hanging out with these guys and uh that i'm on the ice with the stanley cup and the new jersey devils and then uh that night we uh were gathered up for a team party and Uh, We were picked up somewhere, I can't remember where, but we were picked up in a limo uh, with uh, Scott Stevens, Marty Breder, Jay Pandolfo, Arnett. Uh, I mean a bunch of again, guys yeah. and uh, often in New York we went and uh, partying around nightclubs. And back then we used to go around the clock. So there was no curfew. And so, you know, it's like four or five o'clock in the morning, rolling back into Jersey, going to sleep for a couple of hours and then back at it to do the more of the, the, the corporate stuff or kind of the mm-hmm. management stuff of the organization. And then that night again, heading back out with the, the, the with the boys and, and doing some partying. And I think it, it finally, I think about the first five days we were out every night with the, with the guys, it, it got down to a really small group. It was, it was uh, Gomez, Arnett, and Pandolfo were the last... Love
0: that surprises me. Uh, Yeah,
2: the last three guys <laughs> that I remember uh, coming back in through the Lincoln Tunnel in the limo and... Uh, it was like 4 or 5 in the morning, and uh, I remember Jay going, God, it would suck to be Dallas, you know, just realizing good to go that far and not win, obviously, the Devils experience of the year, the next yeah, year. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it was just really neat to be around those guys. And then Randy McKay, as I mentioned, was my very first individual player day, and that uh, yeah, was in a really cool experience, um, and he was great, uh, and I've still run into him from time to time. Um, and just to see the, again, the enjoyment it brought, he had a party for all his friends and family. He had, he had two days party for friends and family. And then the next day, uh, the next party was for all the construction workers that built his house, I and they were building that. his house during the playoffs. And they were like, you know, they were promising that when Randy's season done, the, co- the house would be done. So they were, you know, during the season, they were hoping they'd make the playoffs. Okay, and every round, they, after they won every round, they could breathe a little bit. The guys were telling me, and <laughs> a
0: little they, more time, they to said, keep doing construction. Yeah, and he
2: said, thank God they went to the final because we really needed the time to finish his house. So that, he, that's uh, he a had great a big, story. They yeah, had a big keg party for all the construction workers that uh, built his house
0: where's sort of like the most maybe obscure or the furthest place you've been with the cup? Cause it's a worldwide. Well,
2: yeah. And with a player, I mean, we've been to Siberia a variety of times, but uh, I'd have to say the most obscure place I've been with the cup is Afghanistan to go and visit the troops. And that was probably one of the most interesting, rewarding, emotional, hard to put into words experience, but we went over there with some former NHL players and the cup. We were right in the middle of a war zone. Yeah. Um, there's a great, uh, cartoon that the NHL put out telling my story about if you google my name Mike Bolt it's one of the first things that pops up the cartoon okay and uh, the NHL did this whole thing about cup stories and that my my cup story got picked from that and it's about us being attacked uh with me uh, in Kandahar with the cup it's it's a good story obviously we're all wow, here that's... so it was you know a little nerve wracking at the time but it's a it's a good check it out it's a fun it's a fun I, I cartoon it's it a makes fun me cartoon. think
0: though like is the keeper of the cup kind of like you know the president's Uh, you know, first line of it. Like, would you jump in front of a train (laughs) for this
2: day? I remember saying... A
0: bull, take a bullet yeah,
2: from a thing. <laughs> I, think, I think it was like a long time ago, ESPN or something. I was doing a radio thing and someone said that. I said, oh, maybe in the leg or the arm. Like, And someone's like, got all like, I'm like no, I mean, it's it can take its own bullet. We'll just have to pop, pop it out. <laughs>
0: that, that's true. I mean, and it's taken a few bullets yeah, over few, the no. years.
2: It's a trophy that doesn't hide behind glass. So is it perfect? No. Um, it has had the odd accident and we're trying to prevent that because, you know, it is the most prestigious trophy, but it definitely has some character on it. And
0: it's just like remarkable because, you know, when you see players lift the trophy or management and it's just like such a reminder when you see other sports their trophies just don't do it justice and they don't carry the same type of consistent history
2: well first of all I mean those trophies are brand new every year there's multiple of them for a team can get a couple of them um, You don't really get your name on it. Or if you do, it's just that team's name. It's not the history. Like yeah. and some of the guys say my name gets to be next to Bobby or Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux, and we sit there and name drop all day. But that's, you know, guys are like, oh, my God, my names are next to those guys. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 128 years of history on here is pretty cool. Um, the fact that you get a day with it, you know, and other leagues don't do that. And you can't drink or eat out of the other trophies too. <laughs> Fair, and fair. and then my favorite thing about the way hockey's done with the championship is is that way the presentation is done with Gary Bettman, our commissioner, handing yeah. the cup to the captain. I uh, I see other sports where it's handed to the owner, and, and yeah, I, don't. Yep. Mean, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I'm one of those people that believe the athletes win and lose the championships. It's you know coaching and management have a, a, a role in it, but it really comes down to the players trying to trying to win, and so that's why I love the way hockey hands it to the players first.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Now, before we started filming, you and I were talking, and you really opened my eyes to something. And so the team that won last year, the Tampa Bay Lightning, how long? Because uh, what people should know is that eventually you retire these, yeah. these bands. So how long is last year's winner going to end up on here?
2: Yeah, 61 years. So, I mean, uh, this, year, this team right here is 65. And then, you know, so 65 is the longest you can be on the Cup, and 52 is the shortest. So this ring will come off in um, eleven years and go into the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. We'll move everything up and put a new ring on the bottom. It's fifty-two names per year that go on the cup too. Okay,
0: and and it, I mean it's I mean that's a long time. So yeah, it's you, a lifetime. It's, and then, it's and then, really as
2: man as man So like. You know, your, your grandkids or your great-grandkids can come up and see it. It sits in the Stanley Cup vault. Where, uh, we also have a, a Stanley Cup ring display of every Stanley Cup ring. Yep. And uh, and then the actual original bowl that Lord Stanley donated in 1893 is in the Hall of Fame. Right. So everything's original on here but the bowl. The, the original bowl came off of here in the mid-'60s.
0: Interesting. It's It's just so beautiful, and it's quite alarming to just be sitting next to it. And one of the things that you said to me before was, Wayne Gretzky, who has won this cup multiple times, who is the greatest player of all time, if he were to walk in here today and look at the cup, what would his reaction be? Excited.
2: He'd be want to come over, he'd want to come over and take some pictures with it. He, you know, he'd ask you to come in. He'd be, you know, he look picking it up. He's he's I mean, he's he, I don't know if it's awestruck, but he loves the Stanley Cup. And you know, you know, it's funny. What's
0: so beautiful about the trophy, yeah, right, is yeah, it does yeah, that to yeah. people.
2: It really does. And, you know, and, and, you, and you've seen him talk about the Stanley Cup, and you can see the the enjoyment it, it brings when he talks about when he brought it back. And he was one of the first guys to actually bring it home. And not everybody in Edmonton Oilers organization got to bring it home, but uh, he brought it back to Brantford, Ontario, yep. and shared it with his family and talking about having the Stanley Cup in his living room, which uh, is in his family home that he grew up in, which is incredible for him.
0: Now, when you do these Stanley Cup parties, are you staying overnight? Like what? Like what? And how long? Like how long can you stay away from the cup?
2: I mean, uh, you know, again, going back to the two thousand Devils, you know, I'd stayed at Marty Berdur's house a few times, um, um, but now we 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 take it. The cup's got a curfew. A lot of things have changed. Social media. what's the
0: cup's curfew.
2: Midnight. Midnight? Midnight, Yeah, that's early. Everybody says nothing good ever happens after midnight. (laughs) That is true. Um, So, and just there's a variety of reasons why that changed. But um, um, yeah, I used to stay at players' houses all the time. Uh, I think Kyle Clifford was the last player I stayed at. And I didn't really want to because I had an early morning, but I said, (laughs) All right, Kyle. All right. And I went to bed. I said, I let him have the cup. I said, he only had a few friends. I said, please be careful. Oh, no. That's
0: famous last words, right? right? (laughs) And
2: there was a little thing, and everything was fine. And I came down, and I said, I'm going to, he goes, I promise I'm not going to leave it. I promise. And I did not leave it for the next four hours. No, the only thing is I was sleeping, but they were, had the tunes going. on. They were screaming. I never slept. So I was like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I got to stay in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that. That's a great story. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I keep saying it just how beautiful it is. Um, you know, I grew up around the sport of hockey. I've seen the replica right at the hockey hall of fame. You've this, it, Mary,
2: and- so it does come and go from the hall. I mean, um,
0: can you, can you tell, if they were side by side, Absolutely. you can tell the difference. Yeah,
2: I, mean, I, I mean, I spend 200 days a year with this thing, so I know it inside it. I can see a picture of it and go, oh yeah, which, which is, which one? No problem.
0: And is that more because like this one has more of the it's wear and tear?
2: Shiny. It's got a little more silver. The other one's okay. got a little more nickel in it. And this is, you know, the other one's never left the hall of fame. So yeah. it's in, it's in pristine perfect condition. Perfect condition. It doesn't have any nicks or bangs on it.
0: What's the worst? I mean, I'm sure you get this question all the time. What's the worst accident you've been present for? I
2: mean, anytime it gets dropped, it's <laughs> like not. What it's, happens
0: to your heart? <laughs> it,
2: it, it falls out. I mean, it's, it, you treat it like it is. Like you feel like it's a member of your family, a baby or whatever, and that's your job to protect it. And uh, look, there are accidents. Everybody, again, it's a trophy that does not hide behind glass. It's not a great thing that when it happens because it's not good for the trophy, but we deal with it and fix it. Uh, cause, and the guys always feel bad. And, I, and oh, that's, I'm sure. And, and that's what I As long as they you know, understand the mistake and, and, and they feel horrible, uh, we, we can usually get it fixed.
0: And when it comes to, like, those summers where you're traveling around, like, how does that, like, do you do an entire team? Like, do you get one summer and someone else gets another so <laughs> how, like, how does that work? A
2: rotation? We have a bit of a, yourself, myself, Phil, um, and uh, then Howie borrow uh, are probably the three of us that do the majority. And then Mario Della Sava helps us um so are, there's a couple because it, it's a long journey like you you can do a week to 10 days on even with the curfew you're still like you got to get drive down the road for a couple hours so you average three four hours sleep a night um yeah, so you it's you, yeah, after 10 days or a week uh seven days seven to 10 days is usually the max during the summer because it is it's a grueling grueling schedule like i remember one year i went to europe for 10 days i was on 13 planes in 10 days Wow. i mean that's, that's I was wild. it was exhausting
0: um, you know, I know one of the rules is the only people who can lift the Stanley Cup are those who have won it. Correct? That's right. Exactly. Have you ever had to really have a disagreement with a family member or? Because uh, I, I, people understand.
2: Yeah. Uh, most people do. I mean, it's a it's a rule that's only kind of taken place. I mean, if you look at '95, there was no real rules like that. So a lot of guys that were, you know, everybody could lift it, and so you had. It was again to protect the cup because more people lift it, more chance of accidents happening. And yeah. it's also a respect thing. There's a lot of people that come through the national hockey, you never get their hands on it. So, I mean, to have a you know, a regular person just getting to lift it when there's guys that played in the NHL for fifteen years or so and never got the chance to lift it. So there's that it respect is thing a good too. Point. You know, it's the old saying, like, you know, people don't touch it until they win it. So, you, you know, you have to earn the right. But, you know, a player can hold it with their fans, their friends, yeah. their mom and dad. They can put one hand in it, the other player, you know, so yeah, just, they get to be a part of it. And that's that. And, and that's, that's the
0: beautiful thing about the trophy. And that's what's great about it, because
2: yeah. they get to share it with all the people that help them get to the NHL and win it, too, which is awesome. And yeah, look, if you're, uh, you know, you get to drink out of it, you know, the player has to hold it or whoever's day it is, yep. the name is, they have to hold it. But you might get to drink out of the cup at a player's day and um that's that's an incredible thing too another thing that's a very you're part of a very small percentage of people to get that honor i've never drank at it
0: (laughs) well i was gonna ask you that like do you you, but you know but before we do you know wrap things up because this has been an awesome interview and i it's just been great what have you had to say no to
2: uh parachuting Uh,
0: are you allowed to say who wanted to go first
2: actually it's a it's a devil
0: (laughs) I
2: love it, Jason Arnott.
0: He wanted to <laughs> he go wanted parachuting to be, with yeah, it, yeah, and, and then, like, is there like a like trunk of
2: parachuting underwater shot? There was another. It might have been the underwater shot with Jason, actually. Now that I think about it, I, uh, but somebody. i And that's it. a
0: no no, right? Under well, the water, underwater, yeah, yeah. It's water, gonna be salt water, <laughs> yeah, exactly, or,
2: or it'll get so waterlogged you won't be able to get it out. True, right? So I mean, this is the old story of why is the Stanley Cup in the Mario's pool? Well, this is before our job was created. It was yeah. in the bottom of the pool because somebody pitched it into the pool yes. and it sank and it <laughs> and it did some serious damage to it, it turned to green actually
0: oh wow because of
2: that chlorine
0: <laughs> i love that i love that you have these stories about devils because i know our fans are gonna absolutely love that um is there any other nose that you had to because like parachuting right, and underwater right, just keep it safe
2: keep it respectful and remember, there's a camera on you at all times, and we live in a social media world. Let's make things go viral in a good way, not a bad way. Like common sense, like just be common. And you got to remind guys every once in a while. But like the guys are good; they respect this thing too. Yeah, so, I mean, to they, be honest with you, and even fans are good. Like I mean, yeah, of course, you always get a small percentage of people that don't totally get it. But again, ninety-nine percent of the people are great.
0: As, as someone who grew up in montreal there was always that legend it's not a legend it actually happened where i don't remember which team and you might be able to help it they like literally left it on the side of the road one night your hometown yes i yeah in montreal, montreal right 20, 19, they 24. just like took off in a 19, taxi without it 19
2: no not quite 1924 okay. um <laughs> they won the cup and they were on their way the players were on their way to coaches actually throwing a party and they were on their way they got a flat tire and to get it the jack, they had to pull the cup out. If they changed the tire and forgot the cup on the side of the road, and got to the party and realized they didn't have it, they turned around and how it was still—I don't know where it was in Montreal, but it was still it was sitting on the road and nobody had touched it. This is 1924, so
0: that is amazing. Well, we're also thankful that no one touched it because yeah. now you know it, it continues on, right?
2: Anyway, yeah. One of my other favorite stories, and it's yep, a devil please. story, is uh, Marty Berdier. Yep. Uh, in 2000, yeah, it was also 2000. Uh, shared it with his kids. And he said, I'll give you a few hours, guys. What do you want to do with it? And they said, Dad, we want to go to the movies and eat popcorn out of it. And so here we are in Montreal, the mech, one of the big Meccas of hockey, yeah. with Marty <laughs> okay. Berdur, one of the great legends of hockey, and walking into a movie theater. We snuck in during the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the pre-show, and so it was dark. But when we got out, people saw the cup, and the kids, by the way, ate popcorn out and had a blast eating popcorn and popcorn. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, but the the, the crowd that had uh, gathered after we got out of the theater was pretty wild. Do
0: you remember what movie it was?
2: It was a Bruce Willis movie, uh, The Kid.
0: I have no idea. Yeah, I remember it was
2: a Bruce Willis movie. It was uh, I think it was called The Kid. I used to remember. It. I, I haven't ta- told that story in about ten years, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love that. But one. I used to tell it all the time. It's such a great story. And then and then also Marty playing road hockey, which he did ninety five, two thousand, two thousand three with his childhood friends that used to play after school every day uh, for the Stanley cup. So when he actually got the cup, they played for it for real.
0: Who cleans it when they're, so no matter what is in there, it's and is there a cleaning? Like, this is my last question. What is the cleaning process? Soap and water. It's really, yeah,
2: I mean, uh, I've put it in showers. Uh, I've, I've cleaned it on driveways. Actually, uh, and, and Marty's family is also a big photographers. His brother yes. is a photographer. Uh, of he he's got probably great photos of me cleaning it in his mom's uh, driveway with soap and water, cups flowing over things. It's really soap and water is the best. Polishing silver is not good because it'll pull the silver out and it'll tarnish quicker. Yeah. So we usually polish it once a year to give it, you know, probably Stanley Cup, but it is Stanley Cup final. Outside of that, soap and water or just water.
0: Unbelievable. Thank you so much for joining me, Mike. This, is, this has just been a really awesome experience. I appreciate it.
1: Well, man, that was absolutely a fascinating, absolutely fascinating interview you conducted. Uh, fantastic stuff from Mike Boldy. He had some incredible things to say. Of all the things he had to say, what was the thing of everything that really jumped out to you? Maybe you found the most intriguing or maybe you didn't know the least that really opened your eyes. What was that? What jumped out to you?
0: I mean, I did, you know. One of the questions that I mentioned it in the interview that a lot of fans wanted to know was about like the white gloves, right? And like, and I just love how he said, you know, in my home I have my like as most people do the underwear drawer, the sock drawer, but he's also got like a white glove drawer. So I I, I thought that was pretty funny because it is such a staple of a keeper of the cup. And I think what you mentioned when we first started this podcast is just how often this cup is on the road. It's quite remarkable to think that, you know, it is constantly on the move and um, just how much it inspires people to just look at a trophy. It it was like really impressive to sit down next to it and have it there. And, you know, if you were to watch the video of me interviewing Mike, which is available on NewJerseyDevils.com, there are some moments of like distraction because it's just so beautiful and it's amazing. And you want to look at all these names and as someone who grew up in Montreal, and I know I talk about it ad nauseum, but um, you know, the whole history of the Montreal Canadians is based on their 24 Stanley cups and how they've, you know, won it more than any other franchise. And there's just millions of stories that you hear go around when you're growing up in Montreal and whether you're bumping into a Bob Ganey or a Guy Lafleur or anybody They all have a story. And so to be able to talk to Mike about that and, you know, get a little more in depth about the history of the cup was really cool because I've spent, you know, my whole life dreaming of somehow, some way getting my name on that trophy. Um, So it was really neat to be beside it and read all these names that you hear about. And I guess like the thing that really impressed me was or not impressed me that that stunned me was just how long, you know, it takes for the, the, I guess the ring that you're on to be retired. You know, you're on that Stanley cup basically for your entire life before your ring gets retired. So it's actually pretty, pretty cool. All those details that he was able to share.
2: And
1: then once your ring is retired, obviously you'll let's say you win the cup at 18, 19 years old. Yeah. One years. You're still 80, so there's a chance you could see your own ring go into the Hall of Fame.
0: It's true. It's true. Probably, I'd actually be curious to see how many people have that. I I guess maybe the players from like the 70s and 80s, or the 70s of the Montreal Canadiens and Islanders, are probably maybe. But yeah, it's it's pretty. It's. It's remarkable to be next to it and it feels weird saying that because it is literally just an object and one of the things that mike did tell me that i really liked is that you know he said like oh have you seen the stanley cup before i said oh yeah you know i like i went to the hockey hall of fame when i was a kid which is in toronto which is not far from montreal he's like oh then you definitely saw the replica <laughs> i was like oh okay <laughs> he's like you know the replica is there more often than this one as he said the the real one is there only for a few days of the year and then there was like, Sam, there was this thing, like when he told me that the one I probably saw was a replica, and then knowing that the one next to me was the real one, it felt cooler. Like I was like, oh, yeah, this object that looks exactly like the other object I saw still makes me feel differently
1: well i gotta I gotta ask you this. Okay. Did you touch it?
0: No. Okay, so like I'm pretty superstitious about certain things and probably this one in particular, just because like I grew up with that notion of like you can't touch the Stanley Cup before you win it. But then like there's the other side of me is like, okay, so if I'm still with the Devils and the Devils win the Stanley Cup, like did I win it? Not really like the players did, but I'm part of it. So like if I touched it or so, I just was like, you know what, I'm not going to get into all these things like I'm just not going to touch it. I took a lot of pictures, but I'm not <laughs> gonna touch it.
1: That's fair. I, I appreciate that. Well, she. I don't want to jinx it, it right? Just, like, I
0: don't want to jinx it. I don't want to be right, that right, person. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't touch it, you certainly didn't clean it, which I thought it was interesting that it just good old soap and water, that they water. Used to, yeah. I figured they polish that thing like
0: once a week. Which is why I asked the question. I was like, there must be something that like goes in. No, just soap and water, sometimes just water. I was like, okay. <laughs>
1: Also, very fitting that Mike Bull was able to join us because, as he noted, the very first, well, when he first became yeah. one of the keepers of the cup, the first team he got to, quote unquote, celebrate with, although it was yeah. really his work for them, was the Devils in 2000. How fitting was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was sort of the best part about it is that he was able to talk about players that, you know, Devils fans can relate to, that grew up watching, that know the history of these players, whether it's Scott Gomez, Scott Niedemeyer, you know, just a whole range of these players and being able to give some sort of insight into, you know, what were some of their asks like Jason Arnott, it was, you know, he said he couldn't remember, it was either skydiving or going underwater, like just things like that. So he really has a connection to the devil's franchise as well, because he was with them uh, that entire summer long situation. And so, yeah, I think it was pretty cool for him. And he did say that, you know, Phil Pritchett was also in town. Um, for the sled hockey, cause they did have multiple trophies with them. Um, and Phil asked, you know, wh- who normally does a lot of the media said, you know, do you want to go do this one because you have that connection to New Jersey. And so uh, I know Mike really appreciated that. And it was really fun to talk to him about, you know, his devil's stories.
1: Yeah. It seems so glamorous, but 200 days on the road, oh. four hours of sleep a night.
0: Or, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't like, especially when time. like the partying, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you listen to the stories, he, he was out at the clubs. He was like, that seems very stressful, like just to be doing that constantly. But to be doing that constantly while making sure the cup like stays intact, that that seems like, you know, the keeper of the cup is a very stressful job.
1: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Just, I think the, the one note you need is just keep it away from Mario Lemieux and his pole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just fine. It's just fine. <laughs> But man, as you, you touched on it. Phil Pritchard was there with a couple other trophies for this spectacular tournament that the Devils held just a couple weeks ago. Why don't you give us a quick rundown? Cause you were there, you recapped it. You saw the whole thing. Obviously they can watch your video online as well, but for those who are just listening, can you give them a quick recap?
0: Yeah. So I was um, at the sled classic presented by the, um, by the NHL and USA hockey, as I mentioned before, and hosted for the first time by the New Jersey Devils. And It was really neat for me because I had never seen sled hockey live before. I certainly have seen it here and there on TV, like during the Olympics and stuff. But to see these athletes perform live is like really like. Insane because they are so good at what they do, and they are athletes. And you know they may have their disabilities, but man, you know they're just as competitive. They're just as fast. They're just as talented, just in a completely you know in a different way. Um, And they're just as serious about their sport. So there were a bunch of NHL teams who sponsored um, their local teams that came to New Jersey. So the Kraken had a couple of teams the Bruins, the Islanders, um, the Oilers from Edmonton were in town, the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Vegas had a team. So you're really starting to see these NHL teams embrace their sled community and giving them this opportunity to be showcased. Um, And we in New Jersey were really lucky because on the tier one team, which is the, um, the highest range of all the teams that were at the tournament, we had Jack Wallace, um, put on a devil's Jersey and Jack is from New Jersey. He is one of the best sled hockey players in the entire world, not just for team USA. Um, and he was here participating with that tier one team. And I did have a chance to like spend quite a bit of time with him and just talking to him. And, uh, it, it's just so impressive to see someone of his caliber play this game because they play it just as hard, just as fast. I mean, there's collisions, there's, you know, these beautiful passes. I it's, it's different, but it's, it's really impressive, and Jack is such an impressive young man. And he'll be going to the Olympics, which I know he's very, ex- or for the Paralympics, which I know he's very excited for. A uh, defending champion and massive, massive Devils fan. So that's really all that matters.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, made in Jersey, right?
0: That's right. He definitely born, is
1: born and raised in Jersey, on all the way to a gold medal winner at the Paralympics. And and I had a chance to interview him for the Speak of the Devils podcast too, Jack. Well, it's just. The incredible human beings, incredibly Amazing. inspiring story, to Take such a tragedy and turn it into such a triumph.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And it's funny. He was, he was very funny. Like after I interviewed him, he like pulled me aside for a sec. He's like, Hey, he's like, I just want to let you know that like my dad's a really big fan of yours. And I'm sorry. He's like, I'm sorry if my dad is like constantly tweeting at you. Um, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's very nice. It's always nice to hear. And he's like, Oh, well, Um, He's also like a really big fan of your handwriting. And so I wanted to do something special for Jack and his family just for the time that they gave us. And um, so I actually ended up asking Jack to send me the tier one New Jersey Devils team roster. And I wrote it out and I gave it to his dad. And I know that, you know, he was very touched by that. And so it's just just goes to show like such an incredible family all around. Um, And it really starts with it with his parents
1: man, are you cutting onions over there? I, uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's, <laughs> a little emotional in here. Come a hot. On. Yeah. That's I mean, it. like
0: I had to throw that in there somewhere. I just That's thought cool. it was yeah. really, I just thought it was really sweet. And like when I did give it to his dad, which I did in person when they were at a devil's game a couple of weeks ago, I, I could see that it like really meant a lot to him. And it's just like this reminder that you can do the smallest things for people. And it can really make people's day. And, you know, it's a very simple thing of like, for me, just writing out this lineup um, felt like something very important Is you know, for him to see his son's name written like that, um, especially given all they've been through. So great family, great tournament. And I really urge anyone if the tournament is back in New Jersey or if it's in your local, um, your local state or whatnot, or somewhere near you go see it. Because oftentimes you know, Paralympians or para athletes don't get all the credit that they deserve for what they do. There's so much focus on able-bodied athletes that this is so important to showcase um, who these people are and what they are accomplishing.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And and for people that want to hear more from Jack Wallace and his story, obviously check out our previous episode of Speak of the Devils podcast where he was a guest. And if you want to see more on the sled hockey tournament, as we said, Amanda put a great video that you can find on NewJerseyDevils.com from the video player. And make sure you all tune in to watch Maiden Jersey Jack Wallace represent the state, represent the country at the upcoming Paralympic Games. For that, for Amanda Stein, I am Sam Kassan. This has been your latest episode of Speak of the Devils podcast, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Until next time, we'll catch you later.